This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Many weeks ago, we started talking through this last seven statements of Jesus Christ from the cross. And as we started, we talked a little bit about walking, and Jesus keeps walking. He just keeps walking. He's faced so much discredit and condemnation and confrontations, and dismissal from towns and individuals. He's been called every name in the book, and yet he keeps walking right up until this time of entering into Jerusalem through Bethany. And they're saying, are you sure you want to go to Jerusalem? It's a very hot mess there. I don't think they use the word hot mess, but it is. And yet he keeps walking. Mark tells us they were on a road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed at all who followed and who were afraid, and he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen. And I think sometimes I'm very guilty of this. Let me tell you again about what we're going to do. And really, no one's listening no, no one's seriously listening because they're confronted with all of the physicality, the assault. If we talk about what Jesus has been through, remember his disciples and those who loved him and traveled with him have been through the same thing. They've seen it happen. They felt it happen. They felt what's happened to him. Um, and, and so they don't want any more. It's like having one big argument with your husband. And finally he says, I don't want to argue with you anymore. And I often want to say to him, okay, well then just give in to me and then we won't argue anymore. But the reality is this argument that the world is having with Jesus has been going on and on. And he keeps walking. He keeps walking. And I'm so grateful to think about the simplicity and the complication of that in these last statements that Christ makes from the cross. They are the conclusions. These are the last words spoken by Christ for his time on earth. He came as an infant, traveled in Mary's womb through the birth canal, born to a society who wanted to kill him when he was born. And for 33 years, that has been the mantle that he has worn. This is the end of it. For me, this journey every year through the week of weeks, Holy Week, Passion Week, whatever it is you refer to, is a season of great change. It's a season, an intentional time where I immerse myself in things I don't do every other day of the year. So... I'm always getting to the end of Holy Week and preparing for Easter with a great surge of renewed, renewedness, is that a word? 
I think it's true that the teacher always learns the most and receives the most, and certainly I'm changed the most, and my thanks to you for being an audience that allows me to do this. We've been embracing these words, and we're going to finish today by looking at the sixth statement when Jesus says, it is finished. He keeps walking straight into the plan of God, torture and all torture and all. The prodigal son is our anchor here as we see him come to his senses and hear Jesus ask God to forgive all that are taking part in this crucifixion. I don't know. How, how is it that not only does he care for us so much, but here is one of the criminals who is a real criminal who wants to know if he can be in heaven with God. And he says, yes, Today you shall be with me in paradise. And then he says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And there's a little part of me in my humanity that says, what do you mean you don't know what they're doing? Can't you see what they're doing? Can you feel what they're doing? But what he's really undertaking is the deepest, most powerful level of understanding that when I do things against him, I don't always know what I'm doing. Oh, I may be cavalier. I may say something I know I shouldn't say. But I don't fully understand how it wounds him. Today you will be with me in paradise. That change can happen to all of us. In the midst of all the suffering Jesus is experiencing, he still cares and shows the way. He says, mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And from that moment on, they are changed. Why have you forsaken me? I thirst These are the statements that we have thus looked at. And today we come to, it is finished. It is finished. The word telestai, John 19, a Greek word meaning it is finished. Teleo, to come to an end, to complete, to accomplish. Your final dissertation, or when you've climbed Dixie Pete with your grandson over and over, and you've finally gotten all the way to the top. My grandson and I used to climb this this peak, and it's not more than four thousand feet, maybe five. But the first time we did it, oh, the first time we attempted to do it, he scampered right up to the top, and I was left one third of the way down. And I said, you go on, go on, Samuel, go on. I'll be fine here. Nana, you'll be all right. Yeah, I'll be fine here. Couldn't wait to go. And he went on. Then he came back and he said, come on, let's try it. You can do it. I was not going to do it. I couldn't have done it. But every time we went, I went a little further. And then finally, there was the day that I got to the top of Dixie Peak. Oh, you should have seen him. He was more excited than I was. But I did it just a little at a time. I not just survived, but I made it. I did out, I did what I set out to do. Do you have something like that in your life? That you know you've been called to do, been set out to do, and are working toward it? The Greek and the tenses, this is a perfect tense, and that's meaningful because it was finished in the past, but with a result that's continuing into the present. It did happen long ago, and it continues to bring results every day, past, present, and future. At the height of his ministry and miracles, many Jews came to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. 
Jewish leaders feared Jesus because of his growing followers. They wanted to get rid of him, especially the Sadducees and the Pharisees. With the help of Judas Iscariot, and I know I've said this before, but it always bears repeating, I, I empathize with Judas and with Peter, who are well known for their betrayal. Not that I'm a betrayer, but I have betrayed, and I've betrayed most often for what I think might be their very reasons. Like, let's get this going. I believe you're the Messiah, and you're not behaving like a Messiah, so let me help you, says Judas. And he goes to the guys, and he is sure when he says to them, I'm going to turn him over to you, that Jesus is going to magically stand up and be the Messiah and slay them all and come in with 10,000 armies and horses and chariots. I, I, I want to blame Judas for that thinking, but I think I might be the same. I might be the Peter who says, we don't have time to stop and heal this woman. We're on our way to healing someone else. After all, it's not very productive. The Roman soldiers arrested Jesus. He was put on trial for claiming that he was the king of the Jews. And according to Roman law, the punishment for rebellion against the king was crucifixion. Story ended. That's what's happened. Pilate has participated. The Hebrews paid in full. The great Bible scholars of the past and present cannot find enough grand adjectives to make this statement understood. The shout of the mighty victor. It will take eternity to manifest it and understand it completely with any kind of comprehension. To tell us die. At the height of his ministry and miracles, many Jews came to believe in Jesus, the Son of God. Jewish leaders feared him. Roman soldiers arrested him. And according to Roman law, he was killed as he should have been killed. There's a part of me here in my study that feels like I'm cheating you by not expressing the depth and width and the breadth of this accomplishment. It is an amazing sequence of small events that came to this end. And they all had to happen. Not just the end, not just the crucifixion, not just the arrest, not just, but you see, every detail of it. I think it's my perfectionism, my recovering perfectionism, as my friend says. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I hope I've recovered more than I feel like I've recovered. But there it is, and it's perfection. A perfect plan laid out by God. 33 years of life, nine months in the womb, all to accomplish the good work that Jesus was willing to do. His maturing, his being made perfect in God, his desire for me to be made perfect. That doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to continue my spiritual maturation. I won't be perfect, and neither will you, until we see him face to face. It's a powerful idea that I can enjoy taking part and embracing what Christ did on my behalf. I can lay down my burden. I can surrender all of this to his call. Andrew Murray writes, Every day that our confidence grows fuller in Christ's finished work must see our heart more entirely yielding itself like him. A whole burnt 
offering in the service of God and his love. Those are pretty lofty words, a whole burnt offering in the service of God and his love. I don't feel much like a whole burnt offering. I desire to be, but when my skirt gets singed and my hair starts to be on fire, I want to duck and bob and weave, as my son-in-law would say. It is finished. It is done. He lifted up and he was dying and he said, it is finished. And with his cry, a new heaven was exalted on high. It is finished. He did that on our behalf. On all of the things that we have lived through, will live through, and hope to accomplish, Christ did on our behalf. Thank you for joining us. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. And we have just finished looking at the sixth statement from the cross. Join us for the seventh statement and the end of our Easter preparation. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day by recognizing what Christ did. <laughs>